0: This is the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Now, here's your host, T.J. Reeves. Ah, yes, a victory Monday as we come back in on our official Buccaneers.com and the mobile app recap podcast. It is Nothing But Bucks off of a 21-15 win over the Atlanta Falcons, which puts the Buccaneers... Now at 3-2 and two on the season, snaps the brief two-game losing streak, calms everything down a little bit. We saw a lot of good from this game at Raymond James Stadium, and we're ready to go over it all with highlights, with interviews, with analysis, and even a special guest a little bit later on, ESPN's Jeff Darlington will be here with me after we give you some player interviews, and we hear uh, from head coach Todd Bowles and Leonard Fournette, etc. Jeff Darlington with us in a bit. Glad you found us, however you did so, we're typically here About midday, the day after Buccaneer games, typically a Monday, obviously, for the Sunday games. But coming up, the Buccaneers will play a Thursday game with the Baltimore Ravens. That means the podcast, the recap podcast, will be here on Friday about midday. Same thing on a Monday night game, which will be in December with the Saints. Podcast will obviously be out on Tuesday in the recap mode. Uh, Follow us, subscribe, uh, wherever you get podcasts. Find us through the Buccaneers mobile app through Buccaneers.com. They do a great job of promoting as well through social media. So thank you uh, for the Buck fans that want to get in here for the highlights from Gene and Dave, the interviews off of our Hooters postgame show on Buccaneers Radio and the 98 Rock and the Buccaneers Radio Network. You get to hear all of that here in one spot with this podcast. So a lot to get to, and again, I want to – Hurry along here through the highlights of the interviews because Jeff Darlington has some great insight from the national perspective. But uh, some things here at the beginning uh, for me. You wanted to see this team respond off the loss to Kansas City, and you got your answer, uh, especially on the defensive side of the football. And You've got a defensive-minded head coach right now who will tell you, Uh, openly that he wants that defense to establish things for this football team. And you saw that in the first two weeks in the wins at Dallas and New Orleans, which, by the way, since the Buccaneers have beaten the Dallas Cowboys in week one, they haven't lost since then. And the win in New Orleans is going to look better and better as the Saints continue to get victories on their own. They got their second win of the season against Seattle at home yesterday, and I think the Saints... I have believed the Saints were going to be somewhere around a six or seven win team. I have said that leading up to the season. That may have shorted them a little bit. I don't believe they're going to be a nine or ten win team, but they're solid. And the Buccaneers went and beat them in the Superdome with Jameis Winston and and suffocated the Saints' offense. I know Alvin Kamara didn't play, but they suffocated the Saints' offense for much of that game defensively. That's what my point is. And so you look at this game with the Falcons yesterday – They established things on the defensive side where Atlanta could not do anything for basically three quarters. Sacking Mariota. Atlanta couldn't run the ball, couldn't put points on the board, couldn't put drives together. That's part. If you get good defense, this team's going to go a long way with just good defense, much less great defense. And we saw some of that yesterday get established with five sacks uh, and and with play after play that this team made, especially to get off the field on third down. Now, not as much uh, late in the game. Uh, I don't know if it was fatigue. I'm not making excuses. Uh, Devin White, I know, said after the game, and this is getting a lot of play on social media and on the Internet, that maybe it was letting up a little bit. You're, you're going to hear Todd Bowles say the same thing. Maybe we did let up a little bit when you're up 21-0 in the fourth quarter. You can't do that in the NFL. With all these different crazy comebacks that have been going on, the Falcons got burned themselves up by 15 points in the fourth quarter, week one to the New Orleans Saints. Uh, we've seen leads evaporate over and over again right now in the NFL so you got to stay on the gas you got to keep the pressure up you got to get off the field on third down but by and large the defense much better and look the offense clicked as well I know there was not a ton of scoring in the first half but you at least put 13 points up on the board and you came out in the in the third quarter of the game and put together another good drive to get another touchdown and 21 points is more than enough with the defense playing well or it should be for this team to get wins. And there's going to be plenty of weeks when you get to 28, 31, 34 points and beyond. But you, you've you seen much better offense the last couple of weeks, much better running of the football. You established it early. Uh Leonard Fournette ran well early. It set up some other things. Uh one of the one of the key parts of the game plan that this team has is they want to set up play action. They want to set up uh, misdirection and different things off the fake handoff. You can't do that if you don't run the ball. That's that's what such a topic had been this week off the Kansas City game. You you only ran the ball three times essentially in the first half. You couldn't set anything up for play action or misdirection because you're not running it. Well, they set out to run it yesterday, and in the first half especially, you ran the ball well enough uh, to get this victory. All right, so so much to go over for this matchup with the Falcons, who came in off of a couple of wins, including a win over the Cleveland Browns and a win also in Seattle. They went all the way out uh, west, played tough against the Rams, stayed out west, and then beat the Seattle Seahawks, came back home and beat Cleveland. Marcus Mariota having signed as a free agent uh, for this team, leading them at quarterback. Large, Largely an anonymous roster other than that. They've got the rookie Drake London at receiver. Kyle Pitts, the former number one pick uh, out of Florida at tight end, has an injured hamstring. He couldn't play in the game on Sunday. Cordero Patterson the uh, the running back slash receiver slash kick returner. He had gone on injured reserve before this game to miss at least four games with a foot injury. So that's advantage Buccaneers with no Pitts, no Patterson. So, all right, let's pick things up. And as I mentioned, the Buccaneer defense established things in the first quarter, and we'll get to the highlights now with Gene and Dave on Buccaneers Radio. And the D getting after Mario to the former number one pick of the Titans was a key.
1: Third down, 10. A snap a good one. Mariota dropping under. He's sacked. He is sacked by Tyron Shoyanka. Shoyanka, welcome to the sack party,
0: my friend. You will hear some from Joe Tryon Shoyanka about getting after Mariota in a little bit here as he joined us on our Hooters postgame show. We'll have that interview on Nothing But Bucks. That is one of not one, not, not two, but five different sacks on the day. Uh, outstanding defense by the Buccaneers uh, for a lot of this game set them up for the win now the Bucs were trying they drove into the red zone they were using some no huddle they were trying to get a third down couldn't get it on, on a handoff now try on fourth and short right here in the Falcons red zone to try to make something happen
1: Brady under center, fourth down and a foot, handoff to that Ed Ford. That's going to lunge his way, and I don't know if he got it. Depends on where they spot the ball. I think he got it back to the line of scrimmage, and that's it.
0: Again, just inches away, could not convert. And it's it's one of the things that is frustrating Buccaneer fans. Observers are watching this. The media is watching this. The The ability in short yardage to get a yard, the ability to get something positive on first down. Uh, the, the Bucks are obviously still working with a new center. Five games in, a new rookie left guard. Five games in, you're trying to figure it out. Let's be honest. Ryan Jensen's a Pro Bowl caliber center. Ali Marpet, who retired, is a Pro Bowl caliber center. you got new guys trying to fill those two spots right now. And in the case of Grady Jarrett, who will factor in in a little bit, we're going to talk about the sack, the controversy of the roughing the passer penalty. Jarrett is a fantastic run-stopping defensive tackle. He's humongous. So they were having some trouble running between the tackles because of the Falcons' front, your own inexperience, but eventually you made enough plays in this game. And one of those plays later on in the second quarter is a spectacular throw and catch from Tom Brady to number 13.
1: Third down and three, need to reach the 34-yard line. Good snap, blitz coming, picked up nicely, Pass on the far sideline, and caught ball! Mike Evans makes a great grab at the 10-yard line. Looked like it was overthrown, but Bevins at 6'5", reached out, laid his body out, and made a crucial catch.
0: He's the calls of the legendary Mean Gene Deckerhoff here on Buccaneers Radio. Evans' 25-yard catch set things up for the first touchdown of the game, spectacular diving catch, and you've grown accustomed to Mike making those kind of plays. And that would lead to this. Just
1: inside the one at the far side hash. Bucks trying to get the first score of the game. Under center, Brady feeds the ball to Fournette. Slashes his way off right guard. There you go. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Fire the cannons.
0: Leonard Fournette hammers it in from around the goal line. Uh, More often than not, you're not going to stop playoff Lenny. Lombardi Lenny. Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night Lenny. Now he's touchdown Lenny in the end zone for the 7-0 lead. Uh, as, again, the Buccaneers were able to get that play blocked and uh, and convert in the red zone. They have been uh, few and far between red zone running touchdowns. You did have one in the Sunday night game with Rashard White. You got one right there with a running touchdown from Cornette. Now you're back in command. You get the Falcons to punt. You move down. You kick a field goal with Ryan Suckup. You've got the 10-0 lead. That was the first time since going back to the New Orleans game that you had a 10-point lead. That was in the second half, so now you got double figures. Now you can turn the defense loose, including right here.
1: Here's a snap to Mariota, the shotgun. He's got to be, oh, you know, great, he fumbles the ball. It's loose, but he recovers the football at the 35-yard line. And Another Winfield, quarterback sack. Winfield Jr., I think, is the guy that got the sack.
0: Buccaneers had a couple of guys with a chance at the sack. Antoine Winfield gets it. Actually, the ball was loose for just an instant. Vita Vea was right there near it, but Mariota heads up, got the ball back. So instead of the Bucks getting a sack fumble, they were not able to get the ball right there. And Atlanta actually kept the ball and eventually missed a long field. A very interesting strategy by Arthur Smith, the second year coach. Uh, Arthur Smith, who has been an offensive coordinator in the league, he's the son of the FedEx founder Fred Smith. That helped him on the fast track to get towards an NFL job. He chose a lengthy 52-yard field goal in the last 30 seconds down 10 to nothing that if you don't make it, you're giving the Bucks the ball at midfield with a couple of timeouts left. Sure enough, the kicker who's got a good leg, Young-Wei Koo, missed it wide to the right. So that set up the Buccaneers to try to get into field goal range in the final 20, 25 seconds of the half. And how about pass-catching Winnie making a play right here?
1: Shotgun look with Fournette on Brady's right hip from the 47. Dropping Brady. Dumps the ball, Caught ball by Fournette. Fournette inside the 40, 30-yard line. Out of bounds with three seconds to go. You are probably in field goal range now for Ryan Suckup. How about the effort by Fournette to run down the sideline and get out of bounds?
0: veteran play. The GOAT, Tom Brady finding Leonard Fournette. He knew where the sideline and the yard marker was to get out of bounds with three seconds left. He did so, and that led to Ryan Suckup right here with a chance to put the Buccaneers up by even more.
1: Trying to snap a good one. Here's the spot. The kick is airborne. Airborne. It is good. Ryan Suckup
0: So 13-zip at the break. I talked to Todd Bowles, the head coach, coming off the field at halftime. He said to us, in particular, about running that no-huddle offense, the hurry-up that kept the Falcons' same personnel on the field. He said, hey, we saw that as an advantage for us. It got us into rhythm, was his words. And then that was a, a big, late sequence where they stopped the Falcons from scoring, get a field goal on your own. You knew. Atlanta was going to get the ball to start the second half, but the game is now 13-0. And once again, you can get the defensive pressure going on Marcus Mariota with them behind on the scoreboard and being forced to throw some. And a young defensive tackle gets his first NFL sack on this play in the third quarter.
1: Again, that pistol look with a running back three steps behind Marcus Mariota quarter. He'll spin around, looks up field, still looking, still looking under pressure. He will go down for the third time in the game. He is sacked at the 21. And Deidre Sanat gets the sack. His first as a Buccaneer. How about that?
0: Deidre Sanat, a former USF Bull. He also knocked around in the... Uh, the defunct Alliance of American Football as well was on the Cleveland Browns roster also. Gives Sanat credit, working hard. Again, he's like a sofa chair. Uh, a barco lounger trying to move that guy. And he showed some mobility, tracking Mariota down again, one of five sacks on the day. The Buccaneer offense uh, it was trying to get itself back into gear, and they would do so. You get the ball back, the game is 13-0. And once again, Tom Brady looking downfield for his favorite target, Mike Evans.
1: On first now, Brady wants to throw deep. He finds a receiver. Open, caught ball. Evans beat a guy. Missed to the 10. Five outside a little bit, Dives to the pylon. Is he in, Mr. Ruff? Is he in, Mr. Ruff? No, they say he's out right at the one-yard line. Evans, great effort to dive to the pylon. Just missed, scoring a touchdown.
0: As Gene's calling it there, it looked like a touchdown. I, I thought live. Down on that end of the field, I thought Mike had gotten in. I thought the feet stayed in. Then you see the replay where the foot clearly stays in, and the official doesn't do a very good job of watching where is the ball. He's watching Mike's feet on that. They've got another official trailing the play that's also watching for the feet, and he misses Evans diving across the pylon with the ball in the inside hand. He's diving kind of diagonally, but the ball's in the inside hand. I thought that should have been touchdown on the field. And then if there's something conclusive that overturns it on replay, do so. So there was a big discussion. They, they reviewed it. The New York Command Center reviews these. And actually, in this case, it was not the Command Center because it was a Todd Bowles challenge. Evans' foots clearly inbounds on the challenge. But they then cop out, I'll use that phrase, with, uh, hey, there's not uh, indisputable evidence that he scored. I thought there was. I thought, again, the ball's in Mike's right hand, he's inbounds, he's diving across the pylon with the ball in the inside hand. That should have been a touchdown. Tom Brady was saying the same thing, to not to Jerome Boger, the referee, but to one of the other referees. I I even saw him motioning. He's got the ball in the inside hand, inside the pylon, and yet uh, New York left it. As the call on the field is, he's down, but they, they said he's down for one because he didn't go out of bounds uh not even the one inch line the one the one yard line well it didn't take long after the reload after the coach's challenge is unsuccessful the bucks say you know what we're going to get in the end zone anyway
1: Leonard Fournette will be the setback behind Brady it's first down and goal uh, from inside the one yard line Rudolph in motion to the right in the snap play action fake and the pass by Brady to Fournette touchdown Tampa to Bay easy pickings for Tom Brady and Leonard Fournette Fire the cannons.
0: Fire them cannons! Yes, indeed. Uh, Leonard Fournette goes over and gets the fat head of his likeness in the end zone. Love that moment. Uh, pass catching Lenny. Part of his a, his career high ten uh, receptions for Fournette in this game is that one yard touchdown. It's also the fifth time Buccaneers. Uh, in Buccaneers play that Leonard Fournette has scored multiple touchdowns in a game the third time that he has had in his Buccaneer career a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown in the same game a lot of accolades Fournette by the way also became the first uh, Buccaneer running back to have 10 receptions in a game since Ernest Graham and Ernest was at the game yesterday former Gator former Buccaneer running back Ernest Graham had 10 catches in a game with the Detroit Lions in 2007. So uh, Fournette matches that 15 years later uh, with the 10 catches in this game. So now you're up comfortably, and again – uh, for the Buccaneers, you, you wonder about fatigue. I'm not making excuses, it was hot. It was 90, 95 degrees down in that bowl of the stadium and on that turf. A little bit of breeze blowing, but it was hot. Did the Bucs get a little tired? The, the Falcons obviously get paid too to make some plays. They were running the ball on the Buccaneers, which was a bit of a surprise in the fourth quarter. And eventually they got in the end zone uh, in this one to make the game 21-7. Now the Buccaneers kept up the defensive heat in the fourth quarter. You go three and out, you give them the ball back. That was a big key, too, with the fatigue, is that you kept going three and out in the fourth quarter and putting the defense right back on the field. But still, the D sh- shows up again here on this play.
1: From the 40, Mario to the throw, pressure coming. base sack by Vita Vea. fifth sack of the
2: game.
0: Vita Vea with the sack. Oh, in this case, Devin White also got one. We played Sanat. We played Winfield. We played Joe Tryon, Shoyanka. The sacks were coming. Uh, from the Buccaneers here. But, again, the Falcons were undaunted, and we knew uh, that Zacchaeus, the little slot receiver, could make some plays, even without Kyle Pitts. uh, And here he made one late in this game.
1: First down, 10, Mariota. Play action fake, throws the ball, caught ball of the 10, 5, touchdown! Zacchaeus. Dart throw by Mariota, and with 4.38 to go, the Falcons trail by just 8, 21-13.
0: So at this point, the game is clearly back on with Zacchaeus' touchdown catch from Mariota from 19 yards out. The Falcons uh, chose to use the analytics and go for two here uh, to make the game 21-15 uh, to 15 at this point because the the thinking is there at 21-13 from the analytics people. You go ahead and go for two, especially on the road, especially with more than a couple of minutes left because even if you don't make it, you've still got the chance to come down, get the touchdown, and uh, and a two-point play would tie the game. That your mentality shouldn't be trying to tie the game when two scores down. Your mentality is, how do we try to win the game? Get in the end zone with a two-point play now, and now you've got a chance to win the game with a touchdown and the extra point if you get the ball back. Again, the analytics people are big on the go for two, down two touchdowns late in the game. Arthur Smith subscribed to that. They got the two. The Bucs couldn't stop them on that play And then came the controversy of the end of the game. The Buccaneers, and it's interesting, the Falcons elect to kick it deep. They're outside the two-minute warning, about three and a half minutes left. They've got a couple of timeouts left. They've got the two-minute warning left. So they kick it deep. Buccaneers get the ball. Buccaneers get one first down. The Falcons are taking timeouts. And then the controversy starts, and we're going to talk more about this with Jeff Darlington in a little bit. The controversy starts with the long pass down the right sideline right in front of me to Scotty Miller down inside the 15-yard line where he is clearly interfered with before the ball is caught. Miller caught the ball but didn't get both feet down, but clearly the defender is hitting him with a left shoulder into him without looking for the ball before the ball comes down in his hands. It is an awful no-call by Jerome Boger's crew in that instance. That should be Buccaneer ball, spot foul inside the 15 of the Falcons, and the game is all but over because you're either going to burn the clock and or kick a Ryan suck-up field goal because he's automatic. I'm going to go ahead and give him that from inside the 30-yard line. Uh, And the Buccaneers are going to win the game because of that. So all of the talk that we're now going to have about the Grady Jarrett play, all of that is after uh, what happened with the Scotty Miller no-call. And again, Scotty's not the biggest guy in the world. I mean, Evans is much bigger going down the field. Chris Godwin is much bigger going down the field. So maybe, I I don't know. They don't respect Scotty as much in terms of size if he gets bumped, if he gets moved. So that was a bit ridiculous. Uh, And that play happens before the controversial play. And again, Jeff Darlington and I will speak more to this. I know on the sack of Grady Jarrett with the flag afterwards that uh, that's clearly not roughing the passer. He is tackling him. Jerome Boger's call was he slung him to the ground. It's part of the tackle. I mean, earlier in the game, Boger flagged Vita Vea in the first half for chest-bumping Mariota, and Mariota fell over. I mean, he chest-bumped, shoved him, and Mariota fell over, and Boger gave Atlanta that flag. So there were some poor calls and non-calls in this game. That, that crew struggled to mark the ball a couple of times. They had to have New York tell Jerome Boger, the ball is not on the 25. The ball is supposed to be down at the 22. You've mismarked it. So that crew was struggling. And I know there's venom from the Falcon fans, but guess what? You're not going to get a call against Tom Brady late in the game at Tampa Bay. Uh, especially when you have done nothing but losing for a long time, and he's one of the greatest players of all time. We'll talk more about that point, too, about the great players always get the calls. Of course, you, you don't think LeBron and Steph Curry are getting calls in the NBA? You, you don't think when Derek Jeter was at the plate that he got a better strike zone than most of the other hitters in Major League Baseball? They get the calls. The GOAT's going to get the call. All right, so more on that. Again, the whining and complaining. This is important, too. That was not the end of the game if the Falcons stopped the Buccaneers there. They're still going to have to go get a touchdown to end that game. You can argue about it denying them the chance, but that didn't cost the Atlanta Falcons the game. You were losing the game. You were down by a touchdown, not a field goal, losing the game. That play enabled the Buccaneers to run out the clock, but the play to Scotty Miller before would have basically allowed the Buccaneers, the play before would have allowed the Buccaneers to run out the clock. So what are we talking about here on that? Uh, In any event, it ends up being a victory, kneel-down formation. You get one more completion to Mike Evans to get the first down, and that's good enough to kneel down on the ball with the Falcons out of timeouts. Game over, 21-15. Tom Brady still has not lost three games in a row in 20 years, going back to 2002 with the New England Patriots, his second year in the league. That's the last time they lost three in a row. So, uh, again, give uh, give the Buccaneer defense credit for the most part. Uh, again, Brady threw it a bunch in this game. You ran it enough in this game. You built a big enough lead. It was hot at home. You wore down the opponent enough. You did enough uh, to get the win here. The first of two meetings, you'll meet Atlanta again at the very end of the season coming up. You get a fifth straight win over the Falcons, which is, which is sweet. As I, as I keep mentioning to everybody, I have a long memory, having been on the sideline now as long as I have for going on almost 20 years, Atlanta had no mercy on the Buccaneer teams of Raheem Morris and Lovey Smith. And in the, uh, in the 2010s, uh, I mean, would repeatedly beat this team with Matt Ryan and company making all the throws and making all the big plays. Uh, would beat this team regularly badly. I mean, who could forget the Thursday night massacre, Thursday night football in Atlanta? Raheem Morris's last game is a forty-point loss to the Atlanta Falcons, where they just uh, buried the Bucks early and continued to score and score and score on them. So the Falcons' mastery of the Bucks in the in the twenty tens is no longer the case in the twenty twenties, and I'm all here for it on nothing but Bucks. Keep beating these guys, beat them six more times. Uh, Let the Dirty Birds understand that uh, all the damage you did in the 2010s, it's now being done to you by the B-U-C-C-A-N-E-E-R-S Go Bucks! And on that note, let's hear from some of the Go Bucks after this game was over over with. Uh, First of all, let's hear from Leonard Fournette. Again, a 10-catch day, a two-touchdown day. Buccaneer offense back on track with some red zone touchdowns. Here was Leonard Fournette on our Hooters postgame show. We're live here on Buccaneers Radio with Leonard Fournette. We caught some of the end of that last answer. Can we back up on why did this offense get on track and how big of a factor was the hurry up keeping them in the same personnel, Leonard?
3: Uh, for us, you know, uh, Brady and, and uh, Coach Lefford said the running backs was going to be expected to catch the ball at least 15 to 10 times. And as you see, that's what happened today, you know. And for me, just going over those little notes like that and understanding that that's what he wants, that's what he needs. And... Just trying to be the best player I can be to help this team make us win ball games. You were able to get some early runs for some confidence, and the coach
0: was just saying too there were some early first down throws to you and others on checkdowns that are like run plays. Getting that established, how big a factor was that as well?
3: It's big, you know. Especially like guys on our team, it's definitely like a run play too because once you get that ball in your hand, we can make two of guys miss, two three guys miss, you know. And at the end of the day, you know that's what we get paid for making guys miss. So. We just got to come out each and every week and we got to play better football. You know, at the end, um, we didn't do the right things, you know, and kind of let them back in the game. But overall, we had a better a better game plan, a better win, and he's playing the right football right now. You know, so we're going in the right way, you know, trying to get those two losses out of our mouth. It was a nasty feeling, so it was, uh, overall it was a good day for us
0: couple of more superlatives. Uh, this is your fifth Buccaneer game with two or more touchdowns, your career-high 10 receptions. Have you worked with Tom Brady some more on pass catching, you know, before practice, after practice,
3: to develop some chemistry as well? No, I think he trusts me, you know. Um, and I, I've developed that myself, you know, when I was coming back and uh, understanding what he wants. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're a passing team <laughs> at the end of the day. And, uh, and one of the greatest guys back there, and uh, just trying to help him. Make him more solidified and also make him comfortable with throwing the ball around to everyone.
0: And one more with the understanding this is a regular season game. This is a confidence
3: building win before you go on the road for two, yes? Yeah, definitely. Uh, in our division, you know, that was, it was a tough game. You know, we're going to see those guys in the long run, but it's definitely a confidence builder, you know, uh, for the division. So it was great. It's going to be critical to have that guy all the way through into the postseason. Got to
0: keep him healthy. He's had problems with his ankles, he's had problems with hamstrings and quads. Let's keep him healthy. It was a hot day yesterday, but Leonard Fournette looked fantastic going out there, making plays in between the tackles, and he's got explosiveness, and he will run you over. He will flat run you over. He doesn't have the same breakaway speed he had at LSU and early in his career, but he will still make 15, 20, 25-yard plays if you give him that opportunity. So great to see Fournette back in there. Love the celebration with the fat head and the fans down in the north end zone. Love that as the Buccaneers are able to get to the win. All right, defensively, again, five sacks in this game. It looked more like the Todd Bowles' defense, and one of those guys is the second-year defensive end, Joe Tryon Shoyenka, out of the University of Washington. Washington guys all over the place making plays. More on that in a moment. Here is JTS with us when the game was done.
4: Why were you guys so good through three quarters at shutting them down overall? Uh, we were just playing hard, doing our assignment, and not doing too much. Um, we'd like to keep that that way moving into the fourth quarter and throughout the whole game because we had a shutout through three, but uh, it didn't work like that. Obviously, you know, we got to tighten some things up, but got out with a win, and it ain't easy to win in this league, and we in first place, so.
0: Mariota is such a dangerous quarterback getting around the end where you are, where Shaq Barrett is and others. How conscious are you on every play of trying to contain and make sure he
4: doesn't get around you? Yeah, we're communicating, make sure we know who's on the quarterback, who got the dive. So, you know, moving, moving into the week, we were just that was all we was working on, just understanding who got who, you know, and looking at the looks that, you know, he gave us, you know, when he was going to run. So I think we did a pretty good shutting him down, but got a lot of things to work on.
0: After last Sunday night, what, if anything, was being said this week to tighten things back down and get back to the defense you played really in the first three games
4: this season? Uh, just seeing that 41 points, uh, that's pretty much all that had to be seen, You know, knowing that the defense we have and the, the talent we have on that side of the ball, you know, that can't ever happen again. So I thought it was a good way to, to bounce back, but we could always be better.
0: 21-15 the final, five more sacks. Again, this Todd Bowles defense has been really good for most of the season. I know the the Chiefs game last Sunday night, they were not very good, uh, poor at times, especially on third down. But to, again, you tip your hat to great offense, and Mahomes and company have great offense. And they were ready, and the Bucs were not as good in that game Sunday. But the Bucs were more ready this time and doing what they do. Sacks, takeaways, holding the opponent down. 21-0 going into the fourth quarter at home. You take that all day long. Todd Bowles is buying that. He's getting out his Venmo, his PayPal. He's buying that. 21-0 into the fourth quarter. You will take that. Uh, all right, so as we continued in the in the Hooters postgame show aftermath, let's talk to an offensive lineman that was up front. Again, growing pains for second-round pick Luke Gedeke trying to get used to the NFL, etc. Here he was after everything was done. Dave, thank you. Luke Geticky is talking to the media. We'll also stick a mic in and get some questions in here in a second.
2: Week, I mean, gaining more and more confidence week after week, and that's just great to see. I mean, we're I mean we're rookies, so I mean we're gonna make mistakes, and just gotta learn from them and move on.
0: Luke, we're live also here on Buccaneers Radio. The start to this game, you didn't get off to a great start in the first quarter, but once it got rolling, a lot of it had to do with the hurry-up, keeping them in the same personnel. Can you expound on how effective that was?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, the hurry-up offense, like you said, uh, keeping – I mean, they get tired, so, I mean, just keeping the same personnel and it wears on them and everything, and just the no huddle, it really helps.
0: Tom Brady had – five different receivers with at least four catches in the game. Just uh, why was he so good at spreading the ball around today? whether it was Godwin, Fournette, Scotty
2: Miller, K. Um, I mean, Tom, he's, he's the greatest of all time. So, I mean, he's going to get the ball to whoever's open. I mean, I'm just trying to keep him as clean as possible. I don't even know who catches the ball half the time.
0: I was just saying to Joe Tryon, Yankee, did anything have to be said this week after the tough loss to Kansas City to try to refocus against a division opponent? Was anything being said amongst you guys to get back on track?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our team leaders, uh, they had really good messages. I mean, last week that just wasn't us all around. And we know what we can be when, and when, when, uh, we, do, when we do our jobs and we, we'll be able to reach our full potential. And for you, you've obviously
0: now got five games under your belt. Not that this position is easy. Has it gotten easier? Has it begun to slow down a little bit more for you as game three, four, and five begins to happen?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely begun to slow down. I mean, uh, obviously the pass rushers I've been against the past five weeks have been some of the best in the league, but it is continuing to slow down somewhat. Luke, thank you. Congratulations. Thank you.
0: Again, the Bucks have won, twenty-one fifteen. We will stay right here on the Hooters post-game show and walk over to Tristan Wirfs, who is also talking with the media as this offensive line helped the Bucks build a
5: twenty-one point lead. The ending wasn't exactly how you wanted, but the fact is you got to lead the division, right? And then, and then also you break the two-game losing streak, you win your first game in rage. Just what does that mean? Yeah, that's huge. Like, like I said, we can we can we can be frustrated, we can be whatever, but you know. Win's a win, first win in Raymond James, you know, lead the division. Like, it's all good stuff. So, you know, came out with a positive. You know, we'll watch the tape, we'll correct it, we'll, you know, take this week and, you know, fix this, fix everything we can, and, and you know, hopefully we'll keep this thing rolling.
0: Tristan, we've joined you late here on Buccaneers Radio at the end of that last comment. Can you say something about the way that Leonard Fournette played, especially early establishing the run, and then 10 catches is a career high for him very effective today. Can you say more about how important he was today?
5: Yeah, I think Lenny's, Lenny's huge. He's a freak. Um, you know, he, he does it all for us. You know, it's awesome having him back there, um, you know, toting the rock. And, you know, now he what, caught, ten, like you said, 10 passes today and a lot of checkdowns and got his, got his big yards. So, um, you know, we'll take that any day of the week.
0: Same kind of question I've asked a couple of other guys. How motivating, you don't want to lose, but how motivating off of Sunday night was it this whole week and anxious to get back and erase a lot of that today against Atlanta?
5: Yeah, you know, I think everyone wants to get back out there after a loss, um, especially at home. Um, You know, knowing we had one more at home before we, you know, go on a little road stretch, um, and to get that first win in Raymond James, I think it was huge. Um, You know, I think a lot of guys want to get stuff get stuff clicking, and uh, on the right track. So, uh, you know, I think we're I think we're made a step forward, got a little bit closer, but I think you know there's still a lot of stuff we need to work on, and and uh, you know to get this thing moving in the right direction.
0: The blocking in front of Tom Brady will be critical. There is no doubt about that, keeping him upright and also being able to establish the play action, keep the defenders at bay. It's big early on in the game and they got it established yesterday and it's no coincidence that Brady had the high completion percentage. He threw it 52 times. You're going to hear from him here in just a second, but you set things up with the run game and the play action. And you're also going to hear from Todd Bowles here in just a second about that point, about uh, about being able to set things up with short passes as well as the run game. But uh, Werfs, Mason, uh, Hainsey, Gedeke, Donovan Smith across that line, plus Kate Otten blocking or Kyle Rudolph or Co'Keefe blocking across that, that front, it's going to be critical, but it's also critical to create deception, misdirection, the play action with Tom Brady, and running with Fournette and Rashad White, that's going to be part of it as well. All right, uh, as we mentioned, another victory for the Bucs to now go 3-2. and two, And head coach Todd Bowles was with me on our postgame coverage on Buccaneers Radio with his thoughts immediately after it. All right, let's talk first about wor- what was working well offensively. You built a 21 nothing lead. As we talked to you briefly at halftime as well, you were using the hurry up, keeping them in the same personnel. Why were you so effective as you built the
6: lead? I just thought we surprised him a little bit with a no huddle. Uh, We've done it before, but Tom got in the rhythm, so we wanted to keep it going, let him kind of control it a little bit, and he was making good completions for us.
0: Leonard Fournette had a tremendous game. He had a touchdown run to cap one drive, had a touchdown catch later on in the game, a career high for him, 10 catches in the game. Just assess how well he played overall throughout this game, if you would
6: thought so he did a great job. You know, We had 23 rushes overall, but a lot of those checkdowns and flare passes serve as run game for us. So you really can say we ran it about 30 times. And when he was catching the ball before the sticks and still running people over and getting the extra yards to get the first down, it was huge for us. He played a huge role today.
0: Chris Godwin, another guy, six catches for him. A lot of those in the first half of
6: the game. Was part of the thought process established him early to open some other things up? He's one of our playmakers. You know, we try to get him going, him and Mike. They start doubling those guys. That's when Leonard took over and started taking most of the catches. So, you know, we have a lot of guys that can step up and play when you start doubling our stars.
0: Again, I'm looking over the sheet. Leonard Fournette, ten catches. Godwin, six. Kate Otten in a career high. Only his fifth game, six. Four more for Mike Evans. Four more for Scotty Miller. Three more for Russell Gage unofficially. How about spreading the ball around to that many different receivers?
6: Tom does a great job of getting everyone involved. I thought he did it this game as well. So when they start doubling the other guys, he knew where to go with the football, and those guys were coming through.
0: All right, so you built the 21 nothing lead. What were they doing well in the fourth quarter in particular to get back in the
6: game as they put two touchdowns on the board? Well, they were getting us off the field on offense. We were going three and out, and so the ball, we weren't wasting that much time on the clock, and at the same time defensively, Uh, Some of the quarterback runs hurt us going forward there. 21-0 league, I think we eased up a little bit. A few guys got nicked up, and they probably kept us on the field longer than we wanted to. They got into some situations where they were third and short as opposed to third and long like the first half, and they were converting those, keeping us on the field longer.
0: Again, not to make excuses, but you mentioned nicked up. You lose Carlton Davis. You lost Sean Murphy, bunting later to injury, and then Mike Edwards. Uh, near the end of the game as well so you were having to go to some reserves in the secondary just speak more to the challenge that that was if you would
6: well I guess tough you know as the game goes on but we have guys that we dress for a reason they understand the game plan and when they step in there we don't expect them to lose anything so between Delaney and uh, McCollum stepping up in there I thought those guys finished up good all right, the
0: end of this game is going to be scrutinized where you're trying to get one more first down and basically kill the clock late in the game. Grady Jarrett got a sack. They called him for roughing the passer. Again, I'm not going to put you in a position to talk about officiating per se, but that's a huge moment in the game because you kept the football right there.
6: It is. You know, uh, penalties are a big part of winning and losing football games. I wouldn't want our guys to do it. You know, referees are tightening down on a lot of things. You know, player safety is at an all time high. and. You know, we just got to be careful. You know, I'm glad we won. And let's just
0: expound on that. After back-to-back losses, you bounce back and overall play a really good football game for a lot of this game. You had five sacks uh, as well in this game. Um, How happy are you with the week of preparation and then getting this win?
6: Extremely happy. You know, it was for first place early on in the season. They were doing a good job. They've been in every football game, including ours. So we knew they were going to be tough out coming in, and we played a good game to win it. 21-15, the final,
0: as the Buccaneers bounce back. And I know I didn't ask the head coach about it, but they're not going to make excuses and talk about it. But you got back to some normalcy after Hurricane Ian uh, and the displacement for the Buccaneers. And let me say again here, I know it's later in the podcast, uh, sports and fun and games, it's trivial. These people in southwest Florida are still devastated and are going to be devastated for another few weeks, if not months, especially in the Fort Myers Beach area, and right on the coast where Cape Coral is and Port Charlotte, those areas, Wachula, they were devastated. They were flooded after the fact. That's not over with here just because the national media and the Internet aren't talking about it right now. I mean, you, you, uh, you have thousands and thousands and thousands of people that have lost everything down there. We should still remain Florida strong. We should still be donating money, money, time, resources, Uh, trying to help these people out through October, through November, through December, because it's not going to be back to normal just because, again, the media stops talking about it in mid-October. They've restored most of the power down in that area, but the rebuild, the cleanup and the rebuild is a months and months and months process here. So, again, there's still plenty of need. Continue to donate, donate your money, donate your time, etc. here on this. But I'm just saying the Buccaneers were displaced to go to Miami, to bring their families, secure everything in Tampa, go to Miami. So your focus is not totally on football that week. And then you're trying to scramble back to Tampa to play the game with your families and get settled back in, trying to find out, is there damage, is there not damage, Uh, etc. Of course it was a more normal week against Atlanta, and it showed. And the the opponent's not as good as the Chiefs, and that showed too. But it all kind of came together, and credit the Buccaneers for the win. All right, as we mentioned, Tom Brady... Uh, threw the ball 52 times but again uh, tremendous completion percentage he was uh, on it as this uh, as this game went on and the Bucks were able to effectively move the ball I know that you had the one stretch in the fourth quarter where you had the two three and outs and put the defense back on the field I know he would love to have that back but 23 of 52 351 yards you're taking that so here was the Bucs quarterback with his thoughts to the media after the game on the Atlanta win, the improved offensive play, and more.
7: Tom, the, uh, the one sack at the end of the game, they call him for roughing the passer, um, you know, so it extends the drive and you're able to get off the field. What did you think of that play? Had you been lob- lobbying or asking for some late hits there?
8: I don't, I don't throw the flags.
7: Tom paid on and had like one of the top four receiving yards in this unit today. Can you talk about how you guys are building chemistry and how impressive he's kind of being as a rookie
8: tight end? Yeah, he's doing a good job. Works hard in practice. Uh, football means a lot to him, so he's off to a good start in a career. He's um hard-working kid, so shows up every day, tries to do the right thing, is really prepared, so we all have a lot of confidence in him, especially with yeah. camp going out.
6: We went up tempo in the first half, got a couple of good drives going. Didn't really see much of that in the second half. Is that just because you have a lead. But
1: what was the difference between first and second half offense?
8: I mean, we just had a lot of three and outs. So, what? yeah, <laughs> uh, we just weren't very good. So, bad, bad execution, and just uh, wasn't our best in the second half. So, got to learn from it and try to get better.
2: Tom,
7: can you talk about Leonard Fournette and, and what he did today on both receiving and, and rushing the football for you guys?
8: Did a great job. Yeah, absolutely great job. Was a uh, Super focused and into it. Big, powerful, strong guy. Obviously, when he uh, gets ahead of steam, he's tough to take down and catches the ball well. And, uh, you know, love his effort out there, love his leadership.
2: Tom, how's the shoulder feel after
8: this
7: game? Great. After two losses, to be able to, to get back into the win column, just what's it mean? And for you guys to get your first win at home in the season, too.
8: Yeah, it's, um, you know, obviously t- tough to lose two straight at home. I and mean, it's, well, we didn't deserve it. And that's football. You uh, You know, you got to earn it there's no easy games you got to play good and um, you know certainly five games in you know we got a lot of work to do we're not nearly at the point where a kid will be in and need a lot of people to step up and we got got to get people out there playing healthy consistently you know guys got to you know we got to keep practicing and get together and make the corrections and try to continue to to improve
7: it seemed like mike evans came down with big catches again today how key was he in, in
8: yeah mike did a great job he always does you know he's one of our most consistent, dependable players. Um, just a great player.
7: You targeted Cade and Rashad quite a bit today. Your thoughts on those two guys, how they're evolving?
8: Yeah, we just got to keep doing it. You know, who's ever open is going to get it. At the end of the day, I'm trying to find the open guy. And, um, you know, we got to keep finding ways to find holes in the defense to, um, you know, make the plays we need to make.
0: Tell there was a point with a minute 20 left in the second quarter, fourth down and three. You hurried up to the line of scrimmage to try to get the ball off. You're a little bit frustrated uh, with officiating, and Suckup came on, knocked down the 21-yard field goal. What was the situation there in which you were a little bit frustrated that you couldn't get the snap off?
8: I don't know. I I wasn't sure the the substitution rule at that point, so I was just asking about that.
7: With with um, you know, you guys making a the defense making a play just before halftime and. and you know, the, the field goal was missed uh, yep. by the Falcons. And then for you guys to come back and be able to get a field goal. Um, yep. Just what can you say about the defense and, and getting you guys that the ball back there?
8: It was great. It was a great play. Um, you know, it could be whatever, 10-3 at half ends up being 13 nothing. So that was a big kind of six-point swing right there. You know, they miss one. We make one. Um, Backs made a few plays on those catches. And uh, it was great. So thank you, guys.
0: That's what you get here on Nothing But Bucks. We always love the insight from the players off our Hooters post-game show with the comments being made. You get the highlights. You get all of it here on the day after the game as the Buccaneers come up with a victory now to stay in first place at 3-2 and two, uh, on the season in sole possession of first place, by the way, at 3-2, and two, and hopefully don't look back from here on out. More on that uh, in a few moments. couple of other superlatives in this game. Another 100-yard receiving game for Mike Evans. Uh, He is fantastic, obviously. Good to have him back. You had four different receivers. We didn't have a highlight of Kate Otten, the rookie, but he had a career-high six catches already in only his fifth game, six-catch game. So you had Fournette with 10 balls. You had Otten with six of them. You had Godwin with six receptions. You had Mike Evans with four more. You got four receivers with four or more. Three receivers with six or more. Some would say you don't want to be throwing it that much, but again, the Bucks use the short passing game, the screen game to Godwin, the screen game to Fournette, that are like run plays, like what Todd Bowles was talking about. And that's part of the effectiveness, obviously, of the offense. All right, so enough of me and the analysis. Let's get some more of it from a guy that is in and around the ESPN national coverage of the game. Longtime NFL reporter and writer is Jeff Darlington. He was at Bucks falcons had a chance to be around him after the game. I said, hey, can you pop on nothing but Bucks?" He said, sure, no hesitation. I'll hop on with you. So we recorded that conversation on Monday here after things settled down. Let's go to that, get his thoughts on the Bucks' improved play as Jeff was at the Chiefs game last Sunday night, at this game as well. Let's hear from him on that subject and the Buccaneers moving forward, the controversial call, and uh, and a lot more here as the podcast continues. As mentioned, I don't know why he continues to return my text message or my phone call, but Jeff Darlington of ESPN is a great guy for doing that. And here he is on the Nothing But Bucks podcast. We're recapping the win over the Falcons. Uh, Good to be with you. Uh, It's happier in Buccaneer land. You obviously are a neutral national observer of all of this. What did you make, first of all, of the Buccaneers' performance in the win over the Falcons, my friend?
7: (laughs) Well, when I talked to Leonard Fournette after the game, I think – my, uh, my final question to him was probably uh, the most relevant, which was at one point I looked up and it was 21-0 and we follow these games pretty closely. And then from the time I feel like I packed my stuff up and walked down to the field to do our post-game interview, someone goes, it's a one-score game. <laughs> and I think that that probably summed it up. I mean, it, it felt like the first three quarters were uneventful, boring, exactly what the Bucs probably wanted. Uh, and then it almost just felt like, you know, let the foot off the gas too soon. The stadium kind of lacked much juice. It, it just felt like a 1 p.m. game against the Falcons, to be completely honest. But he got out with a win. Uh, th- some good things that came from it in terms of getting some rhythm going on offense. You know, the defense bounced back from the week before against the Chiefs. So ultimately, a mostly forgettable game, uh, thankfully for the Bucs. Because uh, if it was not forgettable, it would not have been good.
0: Yeah, especially the Falcons that had a chance to get the ball back. And I I want your take on that here in a couple of moments. But you obviously were there for the Sunday night game with the Chiefs. So much made the whole week this past week, Jeff, about the defense being better. And for the first three quarters, they were much better. That looked like the defense we had seen in the first three games. As I was saying earlier in the podcast, if you watch the Cowboy game or tape, if you watch the Saints game, if you watch the second half in particular, the Packers game, that was the Buccaneer defense again. Tell me more about what you saw.
7: Yeah. I, I, you know, I still go back to that chiefs game and, and wonder if we don't look back at toward the end of the season and think that maybe that was the day that not that the that the bucks defense struggled, but that the chiefs offense, you know, reignited itself and found its, its own rhythm given the new personnel that they have. So, you know, maybe that's a little bit too optimistic of a perspective because there certainly were vulnerabilities on defense. But I do think that Patrick Mahomes had one of his very special days. And, and when you catch Mahomes on a special day, he's going to make pretty much any defense look pedestrian. So it was important for them to bounce back as they did. Uh, and ultimately, they can carry that momentum into the next game. This, at this point, to me, it's about two things at, at this point in the season. It's about stacking some wins, no matter how you get them. Who cares you know how you get them? as important it's about creating rhythm and identity and that's what the bucks are continuing to work toward and if they can do that you know it would it probably would have been better off if they did it uh, with with only w- one loss instead of the two given some of the you know you're, you're playing for that number one seed toward the end of the year but ultimately if you can be three and two continue to find your rhythm and identity as the bucks are doing you know it's not that big of a deal if they have an off week on defense
0: I often joke there's a lot of different reasons why you don't gamble. Uh, Here's another reason why you don't gamble. Uh, Because if you'd have told me two and two with the Buccaneers winning the first two on the road at Dallas and New Orleans and then losing both of the next two at home with Green Bay and Kansas City, I would have lost the deed to my house betting that that (laughs) doesn't happen in that scenario. But it just shows you it's the – It's the NFL. Again, Jeff Darlington, gracious for a few minutes to be here with me. You see him on ESPN's Sunday NFL Countdown and their NFL coverage throughout the week. Uh, Jeff, based in Florida, will be around the Dolphins and the Vikings for this week, but he oftentimes is in and around Tampa Bay with the Buccaneers and their success as he was on Sunday. All right, let's get to it. you got to be proud of me that I waited until the third question. The controversy (laughs) at the end of the game with Grady Jackson's sack uh, on Tom Brady. The internet went nuts I know the Fox announcers, Joe Davis and Daryl Moose Johnson, went nuts on the air about horrible call. You were, you were down after the game with me, and we were going over it. All right, give me your feelings now that we've had some 16, 24 hours or so to digest it about that call because it was not the entire end of the game. The Falcons would yeah. had to have gotten the ball back and then gone and scored right. a touchdown. But it cool. certainly was an impactful moment at the end of the game for the Bucs to keep the ball and eventually run the clock out. Your thoughts, Jeff?
7: So the problem here is that I'm screaming into an echo chamber on your podcast, but we're going to do it anyway, because I was vocal about it on Twitter to, uh, to the masses as well. I I don't know. I mean, I understand the outrage. It was an awful call. It was terrible. And I understand people are just going to be more impacted by something that happens to Tom Brady. And I, I guess my wonder is why do we not at least include the play before it in the discussion. And my thing is, I just don't, I mean, the Scotty Miller pass interference call was as egregious. It was awful. People were like, oh, that's the worst call I've seen in years. No, it was actually the worst call you'd seen in one play if you were actually (laughs) watching the game. So I don't know, I mean, I, I would imagine that a lot of people that were outraged by it, not all, but they would fall into two categories one of which would be Falcons fans. The other of which would be people who just saw the highlight on Twitter and did not have the context around it. Now, Falcons fans came at me and said, well, yeah, they also had a phantom holding call that helped the bucks out too. And I'm not going tit for tat here. I I understand that calls get missed throughout a game Mm -hmm. and you're not, you're never going to have like an even outcome when it comes to who gets the most calls. But in that instance, at the very least, you can look toward the play before that was an, egregious pass interference call a ridiculous one that would have ended the game so my thing is like okay i understand the outrage toward an awful call it was but it never should have had been a call at all so for me it had zero impact on the game itself because the game should have been over and anybody who says otherwise again is either a falcons fan or is not taking the entirety of the context with which the game occurred
0: i love it and and you
7: were you were down
0: there with me in the locker room and we were going over it off the cuff and you said to me wasn't was it two plays before i said it was the play before and it was was right in front of me where he bumped him 15 feet from me jeff down on the sideline before the ball got there right in front of the side judge or the back judge whoever that is on the line looking right Right. at it and it's going to be the buccaneers ball spot foul at the 15 yard line we're at the worst you're going to kick a Ryan suck up field goal after you burn all their timeouts and burn the clock. So that play, I love what you said. It's the worst call ever in the following play after the worst call. Ever.
7: And and, and I, I saw some people coming after me saying he was, he was, um it was clearly out of bounds that uncatchable ball. No, it wasn't. Right. Like, the only reason he was out of bounds is because he was pushed out Once of bounds, pushed. which is legal. If like, it's not, if the guy is touching the ball, he was not. Like it was an egregious pass interference call. And if you're willing to sit there and say, well, it was uncatchable; He's out of bounds. Then clearly you're the same. You're showing the same sort of fan emotion that Bucks fans probably would that said the next play, well, Brady was slung to the ground. And that is by the book, uh, roughing the passer. No, it was not. And nor was it out of bounds on the play before both were ridiculous calls. Both were terrible. One happened before the other and would have ended the game. Like, the only people who are really truly outraged are the people who get pissed that Brady gets calls and whines for others. So if that's, if that's your stance on it, fine. My only point is from a, from the perspective of the, the uh, Falcons got screwed out of the game. No, they did not. That is like, that's just a stupid opinion. If you didn't watch the context of it and you also didn't understand that that's the game, they still had a lead. The Falcons still would have had to go, and not just kick a field goal, right? Wasn't it six yes, points? Yes, correct. I mean, they're, 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 I don't know. I, th- I just think context was very important to what ultimately is a controversial moment, merely because, and not merely, it, it's notable because it was Tom Brady, and
0: that's yep. it. And by the way, stars forever: Jordan in the NBA, Gretzky in hockey. Go down the, go down Peyton Manning to the NFL. Stars in the NFL are going <laughs> to Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. They're going to get calls. Uh, it's, it's the way, it's the way of pro sports. That's another
7: part of this, <laughs> hey, TJ, by the way, that was a terrible call.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, uh, but I still like your line. It was the most terrible call in the, in the most recent two plays, including the play before. Uh, okay. So in the final, uh, summation here, Tom Brady threw the ball 52 times yesterday, Buccaneers do get back on track. Now the Bucs did run the ball better relative. They ran yeah. it better, especially early on in the game. Give me a little outlook. They go to Pittsburgh. They then play a bad Carolina team at Carolina, two road games. Give me a little outlook moving forward. Having seen the Bucs the last two weeks, what do you think real quick, Jeff?
7: Well, first of all, I think they have something like the easiest remaining schedule in the NFL. I think I saw that recently. I don't know what that stat is based on. We'll just throw it out there as if it's true, maybe it'll become true. Uh, I I think the most important thing for the Bucs, as we all know, this is not striving for the playoffs. This is striving for the Super Bowl, without question. So, For me, it's all about not only pushing your way toward the one seed and piling up wins, but like I said, continuing to create your identity, keeping your roster healthy. Uh, Everybody wants to talk about Tom Brady and all of his personal, all that stuff. I mean, my wife and her friends have never cared more about my job than they do right now. But (laughs) to me, the injuries to the wide receivers Mm -hmm. when it comes to the actual product of football on the field is the biggest story that the Bucs have endured through the first five weeks if they can get those guys healthy and for the most part they did yesterday if they can establish some of the running game uh and it that doesn't have to just be on the ground it can also be in the 10 receptions that leonard fournette had out of the backfield those are the steps toward this team achieving its ultimate goal which is a super bowl they're still far far way off from being uh the top team in the nfl but that's what the next whatever 11 12 weeks are for.
0: Got to figure it out. They got to win Sunday. You move on. You play a Pittsburgh team that's reeling. We'll see what happens again. Jeff will be on full coverage of the Dolphins and the Vikings for ESPN and for Sunday NFL Countdown for this week. Always good to catch up with you. Uh, Always good to see you we got to get on the golf course at some point. I Jeff's, agree. Got, Jeff's got little kids. I've got now high schoolers. Whenever we get time, you and I will get together in and around the NFL duties. Maybe we'll get time like next May. I don't know. Yeah, whenever no we truth. get time, we you will uh, we will make that happen. I owe you a round of golf for popping I'll on with me. will lock
7: my kids in the closet. You know, we'll throw a toy in there. <laughs>
0: we got to we'll we go got to work it during the school hours during the week. That's what That's helps right. navigate our golf games during the football There's season. A, uh, if we can work that out. Hey, listen, thank you. Uh, here is as part of the official Bucks Recap Podcast on Buccaneers.com and the Buccaneers mobile app. Thank you, Jeff Darlington. Hope to see you more down the road because that means the Buccaneers are playing important games, and Jeff will be there with ESPN. Thank you for the time here, my friend.
7: Of course. Thanks, guys. Thank you, TJ.
0: 21-15 is the final, and I love what Jeff had to say one more time there about uh, don't keep talking about the Grady Jarrett play uh, down um, uh, in the defensive trenches and the uh, roughing the passer, if you're not going to talk about the Scotty Miller play right before that, if you're not watching the game, covering the game, and you're not going to talk about both of those, and you cannot, you cannot just dismiss, oh, well, you know, that call could have gone either way. No, it's a pass interference penalty. He's in the field of play, he's being interfered with on a long throw that he actually ended up catching. He just couldn't get his feet down, but he was interfered with before it. And again, if, if Miller is a more noteworthy receiver, like an Evans, Uh, like a Devontae Adams, for example. Some of the more explosive players in this league, like a Tyreek Hill. You know, pick one. Justin Jefferson uh, in Minnesota. Uh, Whatever you like. Jamar Chase in Cincinnati. If it's one of the more noteworthy receivers who's bigger, they're getting that call. I think they're discriminating against Scotty because he's got smaller size and gets knocked off the spot. And Scotty Miller had a couple of big catches after coming off the inactive list. Uh, as well, a healthy and active. So give credit where it's due to the Buccaneers. And again, on all, on all fronts here, the, the officiating, the Bucs did enough to win that game. Atlanta didn't have any business being back in the game at the end because the Buccaneers had control of that game. And again, Tom Brady's going to get calls as well if it comes down to it. But let's talk about the full scope. Let's talk about the bad call by Jerome Boger on Vita Veya for roughing the passer in the first half. I know that's the first half of the game. That was not roughing the passer on Mariota, like I said earlier in the podcast. Let's talk about all of the missed calls, not just the one there at the end. And most importantly, the Falcons were still going to have to get the ball and get a touchdown. Needed a touchdown to be able to win the game. That's not a guarantee. Probably not in the heat in Tampa one more time there with that. Um, And there you go. All right. So, uh, again, we thank Jeff Darlington for being with me. That's what you're going to get on Nothing But Bucks. From time to time, we'll get some different Buccaneer personalities uh, and and different national media people, etc., to give their perspective here on the Recap Podcast. So the Buccaneers now move on to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. They were destroyed by the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen throwing for over 400 yards and four touchdowns in the game in a blowout win in Buffalo. So now the Steelers are 1-4, and reeling after a week one win over Cincinnati dramatically in overtime with a bunch of missed kicks, blocked kicks, etc., The Steelers go from that to four straight losses, and now the Bucs will roll into the Steel City for the first time in eight years with Tom Brady at the helm, and he's had a lot of success in his career against Pittsburgh, including in in in, uh, AFC Championship games. So now we get ready to see what Brady and the Buccaneer offense can do in Pittsburgh against what should be a vulnerable Steelers' D. They're missing T.J. Watt, their outstanding uh, defensive lineman, the brother of J.J. Watt. He's got an injured pectoral muscle. Don't know if he can play in the game this week. Probably not. They did not place him on IR. So they miss him, and the Steelers' secondary being riddled as well uh, right now. So let's see if the Buccaneers can't take advantage. Again, we will be in Pittsburgh for the 1 o'clock game, noon Eastern time, with our coverage on Buccaneers uh, radio. My thanks to Jason Behringer helping me with the highlights and the interviews. Jeff Ryan's our director of broadcasting. Again, however you found us, we're here the day after games. Buccaneers mobile app will have it. Buccaneers.com. Also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Go find nothing but Bucks wherever you get podcasts. And it comes right to you in the full recap mode. I'm TJ Reeves, Buccaneers and Steelers coming up. For now, though, we've been recapping the win in the first meeting with the Falcons. We'll see those guys again in January. You're three and two, Buccaneer fans. Be happy with that. Off to the Steel City coming this coming weekend. And we're back with a recap podcast efforts over with right here on Nothing But Bucks.